0: Welcome to Herrick Does That, a podcast on current legal topics, relevant industry and legal trends, and significant developments in the law, brought to you by the attorneys of Herrick Feinstein. I'm Erwin Kishner, Herrick's Executive Chairman, and I want to thank you for joining us.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast about our outlook on the hotel industry and restructurings and filings. Uh, My name is Yariv Ben-Ari, and I co-chair Herrick's hospitality practice group, and I'm very excited to be talking today to my good friend and colleague, Steve Selbst, who co-chairs our restructuring and finance litigation department. Hi, Steve. Hi, Yariv. How are you? Great, great. So, Steve, uh, let's just kind of jump right into it. I I was very excited, actually, uh, yesterday to read uh, the STR reports about their outlook on the industry and reporting about what's happened recently. So uh, for those who are not familiar, it looks like we had our best week since the pandemic started a little over a year ago. The national occupancy rates were up to 59.7%. The ADR, average daily rates, were at $112. The REVPAR, Revenue Per Available Room, was at uh, just uh, under $67. And that, that reflected almost a two-point improvement uh, over the previous week. Some of the strongest markets we're seeing, not surprisingly, are in Florida, Tampa, and Miami. Uh, I got to be there myself uh, over the last year, and I, I can definitely tell you why they're doing that great down there. And uh, some of the some of the lower markets are in Minneapolis and Boston. But um, that's on a positive note. Uh, I think we're seeing a good uptake in in uh, in the industry, in the tourism industry, in the business industry, and and in the hospitality industry. But there's a lot going out there in the uh, bankruptcy world and restructuring world. Can you kind of give us a little bit of an overview of what we're seeing out there? Sure, Eve
0: And I agree with you. The recent data is certainly cause for optimism. But I think it's important to set the table a little bit because I think the industry may be at an inflection point. But let's just review a little bit of the history. So I'm going to start with a little bit of a focus on New York. In New York, hotels are clearly a prominent part of the New York City economy. Prior to the COVID crisis, there were about 700 hotels that were operating in New York City. New York had 67 million tourist visits in 2019. In 2019, hotels contributed $3.2 billion to the city in room taxes, and hotels employed approximately 55,000 people, so clearly an important part of the economy. 2020 was very difficult. 200 hotels closed in New York City in 2020 permanently, and some prominent names like the Omni Berkshire... The famous Roosevelt Hotel, the Courtyard by Marriott Times Square, and the Hilton Times Square.
1: Dave, right? I don't know if you heard. Uh, Vornado just announced that they're raising the, Pen- uh, the Pennsylvania Hotel. They're demolishing, going to rebuild over there.
0: I hadn't heard that, but that's obviously that that's a that's a hotel that has long been a landmark in the city's uh, scene. Although that hotel had seen some some tough days recently. But back to the point. Even though the news is getting better in New York, and I agree with you about that, Yareef, 30% of all hotel rooms in the city are currently closed. Last year, which was obviously a very difficult year, hotel revenues fell by 85% compared to 2019. And while there's been improvement in room rates, they continue to be weak. Um, Another way to look at the difficulty in the market is that in the middle of 2020, Over $1.5 billion in loans secured by hotels were in default in New York City. And at the end of last year, uh, only 10,000 people were employed in the industry. So that compared to the 55,000 in 2019. So there was clearly a lot of distress caused by the pandemic. And as you suggested, it's led to a lot of bankruptcies. It led to bankruptcies in New York. Some of the hotels that, that have filed in New York include the Martinique, the Tillery Hotel, the Williamsburg Hotel, the Surrey, uh, the Queen's Holiday Inn is in a foreclosure. In other areas, the, you see the same kind of difficulties. Nationwide, it's been estimated that 25% of all hotel loans are in default. Um, Eagle Hospitality, which was a hotel REIT that had mostly properties in the West, Texas and California, filed Chapter 11 in Delaware earlier this year, and it's unwinding. It's selling off its assets. The Marriott Wardman Park in Washington D.C. recently filed for Chapter Eleven. The Palmer House in Chicago closed. Um, Chicago is having similar difficulties to New York. There are 24 hotel loans in Chicago in default, and approximately 1.74 billion of of Chicago hotel loans are in workout or restructuring. And it's not limited to Chicago either. In in L.A., the the Lux Rodeo Drive closed. The Standard West Hollywood closed. Uh the Astro in South Beach, Miami closed, the sawgrass Marriott closed. You know, the, the difficulty is has clearly been around the country. Um and while there's an uptick, it doesn't look like the industry's industry's walls are completely over yet.
1: That's uh you know, simply uh, amazing numbers and, and we are seeing hotels starting to open up and one of the challenge I think across the board that hotels that want to open up are seeing are that it's I think somebody referred to it like a steam engine to open up a hotel. It takes a little bit of time. You can't just wake up in the morning and say, I'm back to business as usual. Uh, one of the things that they have to do is get the employees back. And because of the incentives out there that they're giving people uh, in terms of unemployment benefits and so forth, which you know people obviously needed um, economically, people seem to be finding it better to simply stay at home and, and not come back to, to the hotels. And for now, what kind of effect, you think that's happening on some of the filings you're seeing and and the plans to reopen?
0: Well, I don't think it will affect the filings as much here, but I think it's clearly going to be the case that it's going to take the hotel industry some time to build back its staff. You know, I I cited before the numbers for New York City, approximately 80% of the workforce had left the industry or, or was laid off. Now, in New York, many hotel workers are protected by unions. Um, And some of those hotel unionized hotel jobs are very, very good jobs, and they pay very good wages. So my guess is many of those employees will be um, eager to come back just as soon as they can. But nationwide, you know, relatively few hotel employees are unionized, and so you're going to have a transient situation. And my point is, I agree with you. It's going to take some time to um, rebuild staffs, and the corollary for that for owners is going to be, or for operators, it's going to be, you know, if you're starting essentially from ground zero again and rebuilding a staff, you know, it's going to take those operators a little bit of time to get the quality of guest service back to what, you know, guests expect. Uh, hotels are aptly, are aptly likened to a steam engine. They are, they're, they're, they're big and they have a lot of momentum, but they also have a lot of inertia when they're closed.
1: Was it your expectation at this point that we'd see a lot more hotels and hotel REITs? going through the the bankruptcy process in December if you recall we saw Ashford Hospitality one of the larger hotel REITs actually get a facility of 350 million dollars from Oaktree and we've seen kind of other facilities being uh, put out there but I would have expected there to be a lot more activity in in your world than we actually did see until now.
0: Well I think there are a couple reasons for that first you know as you know Yariv every hotel you know, really operates in, in its own independent market, I mean, even if it's under common ownership in a REIT or, or some other kind of ownership. And what I mean by that is it's going to have its own primary client base, it's going to have its own primary catchment area, and it's going to have its own ownership. And so I think lenders have properly um, sort of sorted the industry into players that can stay, meaning that they have good market positions um, and, and owners that are either well capitalized or able to put more capital in Some that I think are are sorted into the let's see category, meaning uh, let's see whether the properties can come back, and then there have been the weaker category, the weaker properties, and it's the weaker properties that have failed. But the um, the patience that we've seen from lenders also has another has another part to it, Yairiv, which is for the last year, national banks have not been required to put commercial real estate loans into the non performing category if the properties were fundamentally closed. Uh, that that came to an end on march thirty first so lenders will now have to take a harder look at their loan portfolios, including hotels, and start thinking about whether they whether they're going to be able to continue to carry those loans as performing loans and to the extent that they're not performing loans, um you know I think that's going to push more lenders to become a little bit more aggressive. i mean for better or for worse, um the industry benefited to an enormous extent last year from the fact that the government uh, relax the rules on non-performing loans for national banks.
1: Earlier this year, I think it was, or end the last year, I participated in a uh, in a panel discussion where there was a big shift in the way hotels were opening up during this period of time. The the hotel owners and operators. We're actually looking to the airlines where the airlines were flying in order to figure out if they could open up a hotel, which is something they didn't typically do in the past. It was kind of the reverse. Are you seeing any trends in the aviation industry that you think are going to be negative that may also affect the hotels going forward?
0: yeah look the at the same time that we're talking about the hotels reopening the airlines are looking at the same thing i mean they, you know you you talked about your recent experience in Florida. It's clear that as a country, people are looking to go back to vacations. They're looking to be, they're looking to have some fun, uh, for people who've been cooped up for a year. So there's clearly a level of pent up demand. But what's less clear is how willing people are going to be to get on the airlines. And although, again, airline traffic is also up, it's probably not up as sharply as as hotel stays. And one of the things people in the industry say, meaning in the hotel industry is they think that the hotels that are going to do the best are, where, are for properties that are located within 300 miles of major population areas. In other words, they think people are going to substitute more driving vacations than, than flying vacations. Um, we'll see whether that works out or not. Uh, you know, this is all a little bit of a developing story. None of, us, none of us have ever seen anything like this in terms of the shutdown before. So we're all brand new at how
1: the reopening is going to roll out. You're talking about what we're commonly referring to as staycations, right? Right. I, I, I agree. I'm seeing a lot of people coming in literally from the town over. And when I went on vacations, at least I saw people doing that as well. Um, what do you think of the kind of top three filings that have occurred recently that are the ones to watch that will have a, a significant effect on the industry?
0: So you asked, what are the bellwethers? And I think one important case to look at is the Eagle Hospitality Chapter 11 case, which is currently pending in the District of Delaware. Um, Eagle is interesting because Eagle had a portfolio of pretty high-quality properties, some I'll call upper-middle-tier business hotels and some um, destination resort properties. And in that case, the lenders um, really don't have much faith in Eagle as an operator, and Eagle is being essentially disassembled into selling off its properties. So that's not a positive indicator for the industry. I think some of the other things to look at, Yariv, are how the big reopenings uh, fare in terms of how the p- hotels perform this year. So, for example, the uh, Palmer House Chicago, which is a you know, an ancient landmark hotel, has been closed in part because of a lender dispute for the last year. The, the, the reports are that the Palmer House intends to reopen this year. I think it'll be important to see how the Palmer House performs. And then you've got some very prominent properties in New York that are also closed and where there are plans to reopen them, as you suggested. I think it will be important to see how those properties perform. If they perform well, what they're going to suggest to lenders is that more patience and more forbearance is justified and that the good properties are going to recover. They just need some time to rebuild their staff, to rebuild their hospitality levels. On the other hand, if these prominent properties cannot be successful, you know, they can't get the room rates, they can't get the operating, um, you know, the operating income, or they can't rebuild, the, you know, the quality, then it's going to tell lenders that it's time to be a little bit more aggressive. And so I'd say, you know, we don't have enough data yet to be clear in terms of exactly how this rollout is going to um, perform. But we clearly have ideas about, you know, what the properties are to be watched. Uh, I'd include in that latter group too, the Marriott Wardman in in uh, D.C., which is in Chapter 11, and which is you know its performance has been adversely affected.
1: Have any of these hotels that you're referring to uh, been considered for 363 sales?
0: Well, as I said, the, the that's exactly what's happening to the to the Eagle Hospitality Trust. I mean, it's basically selling off its properties one by one. They've they've uh, identified a couple of bidders already, and I think they're marketing the rest of them. Um, I think that in terms of 363 sales, I don't think it's going to be as much you know, multi owner properties, but I think it's going to be individual properties on a one by one basis. And I think they're going to, you know, they're clearly going to be some.
1: I get a lot of questions, particularly from my, my foreign clients, uh, asking me, when do I think we're going to hit the bottom or should we start buying? I recently closed uh, two hotel transactions where we bought hotels in New York City, and those are going to be announced shortly. But these were hotels that, amongst others, were closed too. Going forward, we're also dealing with uh, other issues, particularly New York, where uh, the mayor of New York has proposed a change in the law to require what's called a special permit in order to open up a new hotel. But I have not seen too many foreclosures uh, of hotels. I mean, during the last year, we've seen a couple of mess foreclosures attempted against hotels like the Mark Hotel, but um, that was stopped because of... Procedural issues, if anything, not, not because of market conditions, I think. Uh, I, mortgage foreclosures have not taken place because there was simply a moratorium on them. But, um, do you expect to see a lot more hotels after all the moratoriums go away going into, for uh, going into foreclosures and, and, and short sales or fire sales? Or do you think that the, the really, we're going to, we're really going to see more of patience? in terms of the uh, financial institutions that have lent money on hotels to give the owners more time? Do you think we're going to see a lot more foreign capital, which I've seen come in over the last few months, uh, looking to buy hotels? What does what your gut instinct tell you? Uh, and I'm sure you've seen one or two cycles before, uh, not pandemic cycles. I, you know, I love you, but I'm pretty sure you weren't around for the Spanish flu. Um, what, what do you think happens going forward?
0: So I can offer some general observations. Where lenders believe that the properties are going to rebound and are going to be performing. You know, they're, they're not going to be quick to foreclose. I mean, a foreclosure, foreclosure, whether it's in bankruptcy court or otherwise, is a slow and expensive process and puts, you know, capital really at risk. So lenders don't have very much incentive to um, foreclose if they don't have to. The question then becomes, though, you know, what's the condition of the property and what's the, and what are the prospects for a rebound? Um, If you've got owners that don't have the capital to refurbish properties or to rebuild staff um, and who are not, therefore, in a position to uh, restart and compete strongly, I think lenders are now going to look at those properties a little bit more skeptically. For the reasons I've said, I I don't think they'll necessarily want to look at foreclosures. Foreclosures is always a last option. But I think they will look at what I'll call for sales, maybe short sales, maybe lenders selling their notes as ways to get out of them. But I think you're going to see more of that. I think this is going to be a this is going to be a year of decision for hotel properties, and then you know there's what I'll call the third the third category of properties, which are properties that are you know that are just too um, troubled to try to restart or at least restart under current ownership. I think that um, as the year becomes clearer and the trends become clearer. Again, lenders are going to start making decisions, and there are going to be somewhere they're just going to say to the owners, look, you're too far underwater, we're too far underwater, you know, we'll give you a chance to sell it, but if you can't sell it, we're going to foreclose. I, so for all those reasons, I think the pace of the restructurings is going to um, pick up this year, but I don't know that it's necessarily going to translate into more court cases. I think that more of it's going to be out-of-court workouts and, uh, you know, and either note sales or short sales. So I think for investors, I think this is really the time to start looking because, you know, the the really key metric is do you see the do you see the beginnings of a rebirth in the business? And while you know the data are you know are only are only preliminary, there's not enough to say that it's, you know these are really strong trends. There seems to be enough momentum in the industry that it, that I think it will get um, investors' attention. And so I think for investors, the question is going to be, you know, price. Are you going to be able to find assets at the right price? But I think this is a good time for investors to start looking at the sector again. And um, and I think that applies equally to both domestic investors and, and to foreign investors.
1: I agree. And I, I really am seeing a lot of interest, particularly from our foreign clients who are looking to invest in the industry, not just in New York, but looking at other gateway cities and uh and significant and popular vacation destinations. So likely, in my opinion, my humble opinion, the industry is on its way up. I think this is, if you're going to invest and buy, like you said, Steve, this is the time to really put on your uh, put on your armor, your suit of armor, get out there and, and start uh, looking for the assets and the partners and getting in there. Um, that being said, I think one of the biggest Challenges to this industry as a whole, outside of the staycations, which are helping, is the travel industry. Uh, Once we know what happens both with uh, tourism and with business travel, uh, particularly business travel, uh, we'll know what happens with the industry. But unfortunately, in some European countries and uh, South American countries, we're seeing seeing the countries going back into various levels of lockdown. So that'll create uh, a challenge. Um, the assets I'm seeing that are going to fire sales in the market, are really pre-pandemic foreclosed properties that, you know, at this point really do need to uh, move on, um, which is very exciting because it gives people an opportunity to to relaunch new brands, uh, reposition hotels, which is very exciting. Uh, And I'm very curious to see what's going to happen in terms of uh, these assets. Once they do have to go through a mark to market phase with the lenders, Once uh, the floodgates open up and and, uh, banks and and so forth will have to move on their positions, the uh, CNBS market is going to have to move too. So your best guess, are you going to be busy, extremely busy, or super busy over the next 24 months?
0: I'd say busy. I don't think it's going to be super busy. I I would say that it's busy. And I just want to pick up on one thing you said. You know, we've talked um, this morning a little bit about um, how – Tourism is going to drive the rebound, and I think that's really true. I think there is a huge demand for um, vacations. You know, people are tired of being cooped up. But I think the question that is that's going to affect uh, big city hotels is two. The questions are twofold. One is the extent to which business travel returns, and there you're going to you see more divided opinion in the industry. There are some people who think that business travel is going to rebound pretty quickly. And the other people are going to say, you know, the combination of working from home and video conferences is going to make corporations um, more reluctant to put their employees on the road. Right now, like I said, that's a two sided debate, and you can hear both sides of it if you, you know, if you read and and listen to the business press. I'm not smart enough to say who's right or who's wrong. But if business travel does not rebound as promptly as um, tourism travel, then that will have a negative impact on the market. The second thing, and I think this is only an issue for uh, a handful of cities in this country, is is foreign tourism. Uh, New York is heavily dependent on foreign tourism. And for the reasons you just said, you know, a number of our, you know, a number of countries that's, that regularly send us large numbers of foreign tourists um, have not done as well in terms of the rebound from the pandemic as we have and um, so I think that foreign travel into the United States may be slower to return. And I think that has the, some impa- some potential to negatively impact New York City, uh, maybe South Florida, maybe Los Angeles. Again, um, you know, this, it's too early to say definitively what that impact is going to be. But I see that as a little bit of a note of caution on what, what is otherwise a more optimistic outlook.
1: Yeah. And on top of that, in in a city like New York, Part of the attraction of coming to New York as a tourist is the arts. We need to get uh, museums uh, fully up and running again, Broadway up and running again, Lincoln Center up and running again. A whole bunch of stuff to make you know bring our city back to its glory. Uh, and it's not just in New York; it's our other gateway cities. You know, it's very exciting to come here when things are running. The lights. I walked down uh, Sixth Avenue the other day with a client who just came here. Uh, he moved here to run a bank. And when we walked down Sixth Avenue, he said, you know, this is the first time I've been sent to New York on business to run something, and I can't believe that this is what New York looked like. Never in my wildest imagination would I imagine this, but I got to tell you, I believe in the city. It's going to come back. I believe in the economy. It's going to come back, and I agree with him. So, Steve, I'm, I'm actually – don't take this the wrong way, but I'm glad you're not going to be as busy as everybody would want you to be, but that's good for my side because that could, that means my side of the table is going to be busy financing, buying, uh, repositioning hotels, but I always love working with you on this stuff. I really appreciate your insights because it just makes me more and more bullish on the hospitality industry going forward. And uh, you know what? In three months from now, I want us to meet up again and do this. And let's see which one of us was in the right, more in the right direction.
0: I think that's a great challenge. I think it's a great challenge. And, and the only thing I would disagree with you about is when you talked about the glories of New York City You left out what draws many, many tourists here, our restaurants. May they recover soon as well.
1: You know what, Steve? Just for that, there's a bottle of wine I'm taking out of my collection here, and we're going out to a restaurant together as soon as uh, you're back in the city, and uh, we can meet up, and uh, we're going to enjoy that together. We haven't done that in too long.
0: That's right. I I look forward to that. Thank you, Yarif.
1: Thanks, Steve. It's always great talking to you. Thank you, everyone, for joining in, and we we look forward to uh, seeing you and talking to you. Stay uh, healthy and safe you and your family, and until next time, all the best. Thank
0: you very much for joining us for Herrick's podcast, Herrick Does That. To learn more about our firm and to listen to additional recordings, please visit us at www.herrick.com.